hello there, nerds, and welcome to Crit Chat, where a group of DMs get together every week and discuss the important things in life, like how to fit a lot of people into one little story that you got. Uh, this week we have Alfred Clark, also known as Penny Blue. Hey. We also have our dear friend Ian. Hello. And uh, who we just welcomed not too long ago, Caillou. Hey. Also known as Caillou. What? <laughs> <laughs> like on the twitter i i suppose and then you've also got me your host not ismay hutton also known as a teacup gamer but you got me your boy emily kuklinski also known as the punny emily who is usurping ismay's throne of podcasting for just a day uh because her computer is a little sick and so i'm here to replace her momentarily uh, but this week, while she's gone, we just decided that uh, we would talk about something that can be very intimidating, but also very rewarding at the same time, which is uh, which is going to be how to work with different group sizes in your D&D campaign. And just from the little discussion group that we had going on before the podcast, I would like to just start off right off the bat with something that's a little intimidating to me uh caillou hmm? yep you, you you played with 11 people oh uh, yeah well well 11 players 12 would be uh with me as well uh that was yeah, it was a thing uh yeah it was a couple of months back uh i was just running a, a game at a local game store just where people come in and stuff and just suddenly the group was just 11 people large and uh as kick off the adventure just uh yeah it was it was was the thing it's it's difficult to manage but it's it's great fun regardless yeah but okay so also to alfred and uh ian have you ever played with that big amount of people because i've never been brave enough to do anything like that just gonna be <laughs> honest here for a minute <laughs> gonna i'm gonna let yeah. you all see my insecurities um <laughs> yeah i mean i mean i the maximum i've played with is seven six or seven. Oh. Uh, I don't know about you, Ian. Uh, the largest game I've ever run had eight players. That was an online game. I mm. think I played in one with eight or nine people, but that only lasted uh, one session. So, mm. for for obvious reasons. Mm. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, I, I've definitely never played with 11 players. Uh, that sounds just terrifying i will say it wasn't 11 players all the way through the campaign a lot of them um couldn't make it after a while so it dropped down to consistently about eight or nine that's still a lot that's still a lot yeah, that's that, that's that's still a critical role that's yeah. a lot of you, you know how they say size doesn't matter yeah <laughs> in, this, in this one case i think it kind of do um, it kind of yeah because <laughs> the most amount of people i've ever played with i think has been five well. And that's been in person. And even to me, that's a little bit difficult to juggle. Um, so, Kai, I guess I want to ask you, because this was like an in-person game? Yes, it was at a game store. So how do you how do you work with that? Because I'm, I'm going to assume that in-person gaming with 11 people is vastly different than even just playing with 8 people online. Oh. Uh. I imagine so. I haven't actually done any gaming online, so I couldn't tell you. But um, uh, first off, the thing you have to know is you, it has to be a specific kind of game. You can't just approach it with the same mentality. Um, I just I knew going into it that uh, role playing was going to be a lot more difficult because there are just so many more people who are talking all at once. Uh, and luckily, I was with a group who were they might focused on combat generally. So I decided that the campaign would largely be centered around going out into the middle of this desert, uh, a great expedition to find out why the desert is expanding. And so there's not too many people out in this desert, and if they are talking to people, it's generally like one or two at a time talking to the group in general. Uh, and it was more just about surviving. And so that way, okay. uh, that way all the chaos of it is sort of structured by the initiative order and a simple goal and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And then... Yeah, do, do do you then, is it then like a lot of the challenges in the game are like, you know, they have to, do they have, do, do you do like a lot of wilderness travel kind yeah. of things and like. Yeah, so um, yeah. 
it's actually a funny thing. I immediately um the 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 first couple of sessions were just prep work. These playing a lot of um older gamers who are from like they're playing back in like first second edition, and they're very used to like the mm. the grit of it and the and like um they're also like history nerds too. They're like like look at all the <laughs> <laughs> they 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 they're like watching old war films and stuff. So they're very much into like getting supplies and uh, figuring out whether they should bring the cannon or not, and how if we're gonna bring the cannon. <laughs> How do we transport the cannon? Uh, they did decide to bring the cannon, and it was wonderful. And I, I loved it too because um, these are the sort of people that, when they started, um, when we started talking about food and water, I was going to be quite light on food and water, like sort of hand wave away and don't worry about it. And uh, without me prompting them, they immediately started calculating where, uh, whether they had enough food or water for the journey and how much they need to carry and stuff. I'm like, all right, you know, if you guys want to, sure. I wasn't planning on that, but we definitely are now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the kind of thing i would love to i would love to dm for a group that was like into that kind of problem solving um but i don't i don't think any of my friends would enjoy that at all uh but it's something that i really get a kick like a bit of a kick out of i think yeah uh do you think that that kind of making sure you have enough resources and that kind of gameplay where it's like you get to concentrate on survival more do you think that in an online game, it also translates with a bigger group? Or is that a little bit harder? Like, do you have to strategize differently? That's a good question. Um, I, I imagine it would um, translate pretty pretty well. Um, every, as long as everyone's... If you're using a, an app like Roll20 and everyone's kind of still looking at the same stuff and, you know, you, you're all, it's all about everyone being focused on the same task, I guess. Um, so... I imagine it would be pretty good. I actually wanted to ask um, Ian because you were saying you play your your eight player group was online, right? Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was wondering if that just in general with like 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 large groups is it easier online because or are there specific things you can do when you're playing online that help? Because I've had I've had a large online group. Well, I mean like a six player online group and a six player in person group and. Like I felt like I was more on top of the in-person group by kind of like a large margin. Um, oh yeah, I don't know. Um, well, the the thing with online playing that I've found is that it's really, really difficult to maintain everyone's uh, focus because they're sitting at a computer, uh, they've got their phone next to them, and like I've I've certainly been jealous of the or jealous uh, guilty of this. Why did I say jealous? <laughs> I've certainly been. <laughs> Is there anything you want to let out, attention. Ian? <laughs> um, I've been guilty of this in online games. You know, you have Facebook open or something in the background. Um, so people's attention is always split during online games. The biggest one I ran with eight players was a, a play-by-post game. So that was a little easier because it was people sitting down with 10, 15 minutes of their day and just playing that much D&D. And then you're done for the day and you come back tomorrow to see what the DM has posted kind of a thing. Uh, so that was a lot easier because you only ever had to do that 10 or 15 minutes per day. That was the bare minimum. And then there were the people who'd go over and above. They would post a couple times a day. Uh, you know, if it was in combat or if it was, it would be only one post a day. But uh, during role playing, characters would talk to each other, uh, post kind of back and forth. So I find that was a lot easier to uh, to run than the like over over Discord games, uh, like the the voice chat games, definitely, because there's always the issue of crosstalk. Um, mm. Plus the plus the focus thing I was talking about earlier. I think what you said, having having everyone look at roll twenty, having everything up there on the screen gives them something to look at. So it's a little easier to maintain that focus than if you're just uh, doing all all theater of the mind or something. Well, that's the thing, though. Um, with uh, me as uh, playing uh, with my eleven-person group, it was all uh, grid with minis, and uh, mm -hmm. and, and with like uh, even outside of that, planning the adventure and stuff. There were I had maps of the area and like um, and we we all got the books out and looked at the equipment list and stuff. So it's all uh, there is. It is important, I think, to have a focus sort of point. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and so when. Uh, Caillou, um, you can just when, 
I'm so sorry. No, it's just fine. it's it sounds like a Beyonce kind of a name where it's just like one word, I mean, and I just names, feel so cool. Most names are one word. I I know. I'm just so happy. Like you can't really say Emily Kuklinski in one go and be like, ah, yes, that is her one name. It's just mm. Emily. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a superhero just, name. I'm kind sorry. Of also, is a, just a first name as well, so there is that. So yeah. Oh. Yeah, I was I was oh. gonna say there is a a children's cartoon called Caillou, but it's the French word for pebble, so it's all one word. Can I be honest, really uh. quick? I didn't connect those dots because they're spelled <laughs> differently. <laughs> We're recording this not too early, but not early enough for me not to recognize that. Can I be honest? I have not stopped thinking about it. I've been. <laughs> I've been looking for a time to bring it up, like, this whole time. It's just in the back of my head. Whenever you say Kai's name, I'm just like, it's like that cartoon. You would, you would not believe how often people tell me it's like the cartoon. I'm like, yes, yes, I'm aware. Oh, I believe I'm it. aware. I believe it. Uh, you probably get it all, all the, time. the time. That's why I, that's why I kind of didn't want to bring no, it up, because I'm like, I don't know how... <laughs> prevalent the cartoon is wherever you live but uh, I, I saw over it here as a kid we, we get it down here in australia so yeah oh man up here i live in canada people hated that cartoon yeah for some no I, I've, I've noticed that too yeah. like uh I, it's, it's polarizing you know it's like it's either you hate it or it you is. love it uh i yeah at this point yeah. i don't care <laughs> I <think it's> <laughs> no yeah now i don't I don't care, but as a kid, for some reason, I just hated that show. The no, only thing I want, I'm the only thing I want now. Like, oh, sorry. Huh? Oh no, you're good. Uh, I was just gonna say something stupid. Oh, okay. So was I. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just want fan art of of Kai oh, as oh. Kai Yu, and make T-shirts of that. It's just a small bald child. Yes. <laughs> playing D&D but speaking of children's shows uh, that teach you things ah I'm gonna try to make this back into a learning opportunity <laughs> um, uh, I guess uh, back to you Kai mm-hmm. not gonna say the other part you can if um, you really want to <laughs> okay I'll, I'll bring it up later in the episode um so, using that visual form with online gaming, do you find that that helps you balance encounters with your large parties? Like, uh, does that also help you visualize it, or? Uh, it's just it's just about uh, knowing where everybody is in space conceptually. Otherwise, oh, if you're just doing theater of the mind, like you, you're trying to remember where the ranger is, and the last turn was maybe 15 minutes ago. So, you're like, uh, was the ranger staying next to the orc or not, or were they in the tower? I don't know. I don't remember. Like. If it's a mini on a book, you just mm. just know that, that straight away. Yeah, it's and it's it's not just like time. It's also we would. I mean, we were just talking about people's attention um, when you're online and like yeah, people aren't going to remember. Yeah, it's really helpful. I I, I mean, I, I find that I have to do it even when I'm playing with like four people or so. When it's online, it's just yeah. I think it's I think the good is the way to go. And then Alfred, when you're uh, when you do combat with larger groups of people. And you're like either using like that visual form or you're using theater of the mind. Like, how do you find that you're able to split up that kind of a combat situation to make it all interesting still? Like trying to avoid um, like just going through 11, 11 people and each one of them hitting hitting the monster with a sword. Yes, I guess. <laughs> yeah. How do you make it, it not it Pokemon? Could... <laughs> That's what I want to yeah. know yeah it's yeah you've got you really got to avoid that in like design phase like yeah you can't you can't just like throw something together because because when you're balancing encounters in general in D D, you always have to be thinking about like the action economy and having um like so that the monsters the monster team has a vaguely the same amount of attacks as the players right mm-hmm. but when you've got like <laughs> 10 players that you're just going to be you, you, if every every combat can't be against like 10 orcs or something you know it's yeah it's i think you really have to get creative um i'm not i'm i'm honestly not sure uh about having like damage spongy 
enemies like D seems to be really good at having like the team the like three like the three heroes against like a big monster um and but and but when it's 10 enemies you really have to have that monster like going multiple times and it's just the way hp works is really unsatisfying when you have that many people um because in order to balance out because the the, the players have so many hit points um between them if you give the monsters that many hit points then things are going to get really like really really slow mm. um so yeah i i don't know if i have great advice for that other than try to avoid like the hit points as difficulty thing which is kind of how i mean D D fifth edition is kind of structured as this like this is the correct number of hit points and this much armor and you're gonna have to hit it loads of times in order to bring it down um but i think trying to balance it in a more kind of um uh in a more like old schooly kind of way where you not necessarily have monsters that have loads of hit points but instead focus more on like you 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 don't hurt it unless you do above this damage or something right and like mm-hmm. maybe having quite like a relatively low hit points but um giving them lots of like immunities or having them in awkward places where like the players can't reach them so they have to think of a way to get closer that's my first that's i guess that's my first idea does anyone else have any tips for that for that yeah it's interesting i'm i'm i was thinking about this campaign i played in a long time ago uh I think we had seven players regularly, something like that, and it was a largely combat-focused campaign. Um, I'm trying to think of how the DM handled that. I think it was essentially we would it would almost be like a video game. We would have like two or three waves of small enemies, and then the boss would come out, and we'd have to fight that, or sometimes just run away because it would be way too. just way too strong for us um so yeah i think because I, th- I think having a for a bigger group having more of a combat focus is a good idea uh just because if you try to focus too heavily on role playing you're probably gonna have a few people who end up just not not ever getting to talk because they're not into it or uh that's just how they built their character like it's a barbarian with no charisma so why would they be the one uh who's the who's the party face um so it's a it's a difficult balance to strike um mm-hmm. i think f- fourth edition had a pretty cool uh mechanic maybe the only mechanic i i liked from that edition where um they just had minions uh as as a monster type so they didn't have health it's they you just hit them once and they they died no matter what the damage was just as long as you dealt damage to them uh i think that's yeah so for they still deal the same damage yeah uh yeah yeah it was like a it was a specific kind of monster like it would it would say in its stat block like goblin uh minion so you'd be able to to put it in um to whatever encounter knowing that these are the things that are supposed to drop right away um fourth edition was a much more tactical system so it's a little tougher to implement in uh newer editions but i think for a bigger group it's a it's a really good mechanic to keep in mind like if someone doesn't drop a a small creature right away you might not want to have to deal with another uh another thing on the board when you could be rid of that you're not having to keep track of you know 20 different things on the board one of the things that i've been trying in uh my current campaign is cuz a lot of it's kind of based on kingdom hearts and the one level that i've always hated was the ursula level um the ursula final boss cuz I was always like, oh, so once I get her down to this HP, then she morphs. And then after I get her down to this other HP, she morphs again. And instead of focusing too much on how much HP she has, um, I roll a dice beforehand, usually like a D6. And that tells me about how many hits they'll have to deal for the first round with like their boss. And so that way it's not like I have to work through 200 HP. It's like, okay. She'll go through this many hits before I make her do something different in the game. Because 
I find like it's kind of you need to with a larger group you also have to work a little bit harder to tell a story with combat um like I have to keep it interesting like okay you guys are going against um you're you're going against uh who's a funny person uh <laughs> you're going against Caillou the beloved French cartoon not the uh not the, the the DM advice giver and you're hitting him with knowledge that's algebra that is way out of his education level and uh all of a sudden like you hit him one too many times and then his head starts shining more and you find out like he has another attack where he blinds you with this bald spot which was your blind spot um (laughs) and that's kind of a way that i try to balance like engaging with keeping combat like a little bit more diverse and i know that we talked about like using like d20 uh for that or like maps for that visual thing but do you do you guys have like any other ways that you try to engage with them or keep their interest while you're playing i uh i try to keep combat chaotic and um uh, unpredictable uh often um uh often it had just like a couple of different creature types uh not too many because if you have too many that's so many different stat blocks you have to keep track of like I also just like uh, if you have the creatures come in waves, uh, and not necessarily predictable waves where you kill them all and then another one arrives, but a couple of turns in, just more goblins arrive, and then you're halfway through cutting through those ones, and some hobgoblins come over the hill. And... Yeah, I think I think I think it's fair to assume that everyone's gonna at least get somewhat into a bit of a tactical like combat. Um, I think another thing like like kind kind of building off what you're saying is maybe maybe like have um try to have um other things happening while the combat's happening so like if you're like if you have to like someone has to unlock this door because there are just like continuous hordes of monsters coming or something like that like um having tasks that some players will be doing while the other players defend them or um something like that and in the in the chat alfred this kind of interests me and i didn't want to ask because i figured oh we can ask in the moment in this very live broadcast (laughs) um can you uh can you emphasize like the difference between balancing player-led and dm-led gameplay oh sure so um yeah i brought that up like uh because i was thinking about um this is more of a outside of combat but um just the general like you you like the, the the um the balance between like running an adventure like the dm writing story that is happening or like did the dm producing adventure situations for the group that is not necessarily directly related to players and is instead related to like the main story um as opposed to like the players being kind of like really core to the story and the story being about exploring those uh, player characters backstories so like um yeah so I, I i because in general i feel like with a small group uh like my current group is three people and um we're really like i mean every session we're all doing something in relation to our backstories and the people that we know from our history you know um whereas with a larger group it's much more for me it's it seems like you would always want to focus more on like a big adventure like if you are running one of the pre-published adventures or something like Storm King's Thunder or something, yeah. Um, but I was wondering if anyone else has like a, a a different take on that because I know that, for instance, Critical Role does an incredible job of um, giving each character kind of their episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of yeah, just focusing one by one, and everyone at the table there is so invested in each other's characters that it works really well. Um, but I don't know if that necessarily uh translates to like just you know everyone's group you know everyone's groups how about you ian like do you do you tend to do that um i try with some of my groups it's something i've kind of fallen out of the habit of doing because i did it for so long with or i tried for so long with some groups and players just weren't really uh 
as interested in developing their characters. They were just there to play the game, which is which is fine too. Which is I just... so interesting to me because so often, like they put so much time into their backstories, and then it's they don't. Oh touch well, it. these people, these people didn't. Oh, I mean, but yeah, so <laughs> that's what I meant. It's like they they put some numbers down on a piece of paper and were like, "This is what I'm going to use to roll my dice," kind of a thing. Uh, and then there was one campaign where I probably, well, a couple campaigns where I probably gave characters too much control, and we just completely lost the thread of the campaign to the point where I didn't know where to take it, and it ended up fizzling out. Um, so it's uh, it's tough to find that balance, I think. My current game, I t- I think i talk about this every episode where i'm running curse of strahd uh it's it's going it's going better in that aspect because there are sessions where i have everything planned out start to finish i know it's going to happen and then there's sessions where like the one coming up this week um they have a few different goals they want to accomplish and they can do it in any really particular order so i just have to sort of read up on all the areas they might go to and hope I'm well-versed enough in wherever they go, because uh, I don't really know. Yeah, I don't know where they're going to end up. Um, so having having that amount of player control is is good. I, I know they enjoy it, um, maybe not more, but at least as much as when I have stuff planned out, when they get to choose where they're going. I think that helps it feel more like, a, like an open world, like a real world. They're not just being railroaded. Um, yeah, there's there's definitely a point you can reach where there's too much player control, uh, the same as there can be too much DM control. Mm. Like when their power levels exceed nine thousand, and you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I apologize. I've been watching a lot of anime exactly lately. I, I always just treat that as a challenge. Just like, oh, you, you're taking that feat? All right, we're, we're fighting dragons now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of how that campaign ended up. It was yeah. very much like the players versus the DM. Uh, and the players just kept winning. Um, oh, God. It, was, it was frustrating. So at that moment, did you just like... I don't know. How do you feel? Do you have to like buy some like hot cocoa and put extra marshmallows in it? Or do you just like write in your diary? Like, how do you feel better after that? I I would be like, guys, this is my game too. And I I like that you're winning, but I'm, I'm here. Yeah. I will say with the one, there was one player in particular in that campaign. I had some stuff going on with outside of that. So we weren't entirely mm. friendly to each other at the table, uh, which definitely contributed to it. Um, but there are some people who just have, uh, I don't know, something about them where they... I, I find it's people who uh, DM a lot and then go back to playing. Um, and this isn't to say everyone does this. I, I just, thinking of the people I know who have done it... Uh, so they, they sit down at the table and they're still kind of in that DM headspace. So they're still trying to drive the game forward while only being, a, while being a much smaller part of the game. Um, and I, I've certainly done that in the past. Uh, I try to keep that in check now. Um, oh yeah, me too. Totally. I try to justify it by just playing really charismatic characters who talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I, uh, I've, I've definitely, I, I think it's maybe people who are, are used to running games maybe have trouble taking a back seat, which can lead to players having a bit too much control. Um, there's not to say all DMs do that, mm-hmm. but I know I have. So, um, maybe along the same line as that, I, I'm going to get into a territory that is a little controversial. So... Um, I want you guys all to be mentally prepared for this. Um, and maybe sometimes it's the healthier option. When do you guys feel it's okay to let the party split up? Like, 
like take a break from one another. No, <laughs> never. Guys, I'm sorry, God's but we're split. taking a break and we're going to go left instead of right. It's not you. It's literally this fucking dungeon. <laughs> so, so do you mean like letting the party in game split up or do you mean the real life people like taking a break from that group? Um, let's let's make that a two-parter, but let's let's make the first part let let's let's make it in game first and then we'll make it in person. Um, how about how about you, Alfred? How do you feel about letting people <laughs> take some time apart from each other to to go on and do their own heroly do. <laughs> I mean, I think it's great. Uh, you should do it. You should you should go on a break if you feel the need. Um, it's, I, I yeah. I mean, when you when you have a when you have a when you have a large group, if you if 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 you're in a situation where there's like a good narrative way for them to be in, like a group of four and a group of five or something, um, then it's going to be then yeah. That's I mean, it's going to work great. I like I do think that D and D is really um at its base um kind of most comfortable be, um being played with three to five players i think um so yeah i mean as long as it works in the narrative it's i think there's a lot of, it, it's very convenient and especially if you're like like I, i'm the assumption here i think is like you do like separate days maybe or is that is that not the assumption like like one week you play with them one group of one like subset of your players and the other week you play with the other one i feel like that work would work really well because it's essentially just an extension of like when you're when you want to play with like 20 30 people and you just have them you do like a west marches style thing and you know people book you in small groups and not bald french caillou um <laughs> how do you feel about this <laughs> Uh, well, um, my 11-person game, which became a 9-person game, uh, we did end up uh, splitting the group uh, of players eventually. But it happened when um, when we decided that the campaign was wrapping up, because it wasn't particularly long. Yeah, so after we after they uh, nearly got killed fighting a pyramid and teleported to the sun, we decided to... Uh, <laughs> I, Wait, hold on. Hold on. Wait. Oh, hold on. Did you... <laughs> Did you say fighting a pyramid or fighting yes. in a? Okay. No, they're That's... fighting the pyramid. Oh wait. Okay. Um, oh wait, they weren't fighting the pyramid. No, they were fighting the pyramid. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, no, uh, they were fighting. They were fighting a pyramid, which was basically a reskinned kraken. Uh... <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, they're all like tenth level, so. Oh my uh... gosh. <laughs> At level ten, you're you're strong enough to take on a pyramid. You actually. Actually, oh not. I fucked up that encounter. You should learn from a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> if they didn't have a spare wish, they'd all be dead. No, because um, um, one thing about uh, one thing about balancing encounter like big groups of encounters is you you might think that you can just throw in one big CR monster, and a lot of the time you can, but some of them, like the Kraken, have these massive area effect attacks, which have a really high DC. Uh, in this case, I think it was twenty seven. Uh, which is Whoa, great if you level you 20. That? Uh, you get a natural 20 or you die. Uh, oh, so yeah, you just take um, something like uh, like 30 lightning damage or something. But they also had a lair action, which uh, meant that mm. everyone in the area takes double damage from lightning damage. And in one round, it dealt, may have dealt 70 damage to every player at the table. So there was that, yeah. By the way, uh, be careful doing this. Yeah. Okay, uh, Kai, you have a new nickname, and it's Don Quixote. Except what, instead what? of, oh wait, sorry, maybe this is me being an English nerd. But Don Quixote went off and fought windmills. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So you're you're Don Qui Quixote. Right. Quixote. Kai- it's good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> approved <laughs> i never knew how much i needed to attack architecture before you oh yeah <laughs> i'm so excited by it oh it had these big tent sandy tentacles that came out and ripped everyone it's so good oh my god that's so good yeah it's like it's a awesome. mummy crossover I'm... yes i made a, I made, a, <laughs> I made a model of it i'll post a picture of it uh, on the on the group later yes please mm. 
Um, actually, do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Uh, Ismay just sent me a very specific, uh, voicemail. Um, and she said, yes, please, please put that in. She, she also says hi. And she says that she loves puns. And, uh, she likes Shrek. And she loves mm. the mm. Caillou character a lot. Um, and, mm. and, Yeah. But, wow, what what a change of heart. She's really I feel like she's really growing as a person. Oh, no, I don't yeah. I I don't think that was a real voicemail, but alright. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> you you just can't hear it right now. Oh, wait, hold on. There's a second voicemail. And it's mm. Ismay telling me that she definitely did call. <laughs> she feels I'm suspicious. <laughs> and that I the first know. voicemail was totally real. <laughs> Um, oh, and then the connection got really bad, and oh, I deleted it, so I can't play oh. it, but it's okay. I guess, I guess we'll never know, but I'll, I'll never be sure. <laughs> <laughs> I shall live forevermore in doubt. <laughs> Hello, guys, and welcome to the middle of the podcast break chat thing. It's me! It's, it's, it's Ismay! I, I'm not, I wasn't, I wasn't there, but I'm, I'm here. You can still... It's still like, it's like I'm a part of this still. It is like, it's like I'm not isolated in the middle of my room, in the middle of nowhere without my friends. I hope you guys are enjoying the hell out of this week's episode. It's really interesting to, you know, like, listen to it for the first time while I'm editing it and not for like the fifth time while I'm editing it. It's really cool. And, uh... Everyone did like such a kick-ass job while I was away. I mean, it would have been better if I was there. Just putting that out there. Do not itch me out of my own podcast, please. <laughs> but no, Emily did an amazing job hosting. Uh, could not be, could not be more proud of my girl. Even though I did send her that voicemail in confidence, and I was, you know, hoping that she wasn't gonna bring it up on the show. But this is cool too. This is fine. Whatever. Just out me like this, I guess. But yeah, in case people don't know, uh, right now I'm not able to do the whole podcasting thing. Uh, my computer has just taken a shit bath and everything is terrible. Um, so I'm, I'm able to do this little bit, I'm able to edit, but um, my laptop is not beefy enough to be able to handle me running the whole podcast. So I've got all my, my beautiful co-hosts to step in and take the take the grunt of the work and they are doing an absolutely amazing job. Uh, they're going to have to continue doing an absolutely amazing job next week. Um, they're, you're going to be hearing them again. Uh, this time is going to be Alfred hosting. So you get a little, little swap over with my two main bros. Um, and I'm hoping that that's going to be, that's going to be great as well. That's going to be awesome. Um, it, it's breaking my little heart not to be involved as much right now, but I'm, I'm, I'm here behind the strings, behind the strings. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was, <laughs> I was trying to say behind the scenes, pulling the strings and it didn't work good, did it now? I've lost the, the ability to talk. Fuck me. Try. But okay, so for this week, uh, sorry for uh, Kai's audio. Um, I think that uh, must have been recording it on Audacity on the wrong on the wrong device because it normally sounds better than that. We're we're trying to get to the heart of what happened there. Um, but that will it will be fixed for next time. I thought it'd be better to put the episode out with the with the kind of weird audio instead of not putting out an episode at all because we we want to give the people what they want. And if this is not what they want, then oops. <laughs> Oops, bad, bad job. <laughs> uh, for the plugs this week, uh, you've got Alfred on today. He is doing his thing over on Penny Blue on Twitch. Uh, you go and follow him and do all that good shit. Um, also, uh, you've got Kai, who is do- who are- I'm trying not to say Caillou anymore because <laughs> apparently it's an annoying little French boy. I need to look up what this shit is. <laughs> You're also going to hear more about Kai's podcast at the end, uh, Brothers in Time, where he and his brother talk about the Doctor Who. Uh, it's fucking great. You should go and check that out. Uh, get all that brotherly love and that good brotherly, uh, talking about nerd shit, I guess. <laughs> Like, okay, I feel like I should plug my shit, because you can find me on A Teacup Gamer on Twitch. I'm actually doing some uh, PS4 streams right now, because my beautiful and amazing girlfriend brought me over her PS4 so that I can, you know, not go insane while my computer's away. Um, and so I've been playing some Jack and Daxter, so you can find me on A Teacup Gamer on Twitch if you want to see what I've actually been able to cobble together. <laughs> 
As for us, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash critchat, all one word, uh, where we've got a, a good load of like a, a good, some good content. We've got some 10 out of 10 choice content. I cannot recommend it enough. You can also find us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash crit underscore chat and get us there using the uh, hashtag crit chat. Um, that one is just all one word because we're edging out the other crit chat slowly but surely. But yeah, if you talk to us on the Twitter, then you might get a little shout out on the show. Like a weird segue into these people that are getting a shout out on the show. Uh, like Abner Sanirez, who goes around handing out some good coffee to us and a bunch of other podcasts. And also has, enjoy has uh, enjoyed the, um, the monster stat block generator with us. Uh, shared with us the ancient dread gazebo which is an amazing monster. You should totally check that out by going onto our Twitter. So thank you for that. Um, we also had people compete for uh, the newest playable character that has body of a human, head of a blank. Uh, best fill in the blanks win. We've got Sakura Doku, who has a duck bunny head on top. And the duck bunny is like an old school creature that has a weird inexplicable hump, but is it, it does what it says on the tin. It's got a beak and it's got some bunny ears. It's delicious. We also got Adam Terry coming at us with fucking earthworm, which is the most horrifying thing that I've ever thought about with my goddamn mind brain. And I hate it, but like, you know, you posted, so there's the shout out, I guess. <laughs> Thank you for the nightmare. Also, wherever you're listening to this, um, you can go down in the description and find our Discord where we're all chatting and you can you can join in a bunch of a lot of random bullshit conversations that are only tangentially uh, related to D&D. Also, I have just started the first steps into setting up our Patreon. Um, it is under review at the moment, but we'll let you know when that is fully underway. Uh, so if you want to like help us out a little bit uh, with the upkeep of the show, it costs money to uh, get all of the stuff online and to have all the storage space. So it would really help us out a lot uh, because the, the, this just loses money. <laughs> like I, I enjoy doing it, but I'm just losing a bunch of money on it. It's fine. Whatever. It's D&D. Uh, but yeah, if you end up becoming a Patreon, you get like a bunch of like nice rewards, including uh, some extra t tips that we weren't able to get around to in the show. Uh, afterwards, we all start kicking ourselves over. Oh yeah, there was this also very good bit of advice that I was not able to give because an hour is not a lot of time to give all the advice in the world. Um, so you can look forward to that. There's also a bunch of other rewards coming up. Like um, the, the it will probably be... Uh, uh, exclusive access to the Curse of Strahd game that we are currently planning out. Obviously, it's a bit on hold at the moment because of the whole my entire setup shitting the bed, but it'll get there. You can also find us on SoundCloud if you search Crit Chat. Uh, give us a like, give us a follow, give us a comment, give us a share. This is a word of mouth podcast. The only way that anyone is ever going to know about us is if you tell them. And I recommend you tell them because otherwise, I don't know what I'm doing here. Whatever. <laughs> tell them about us. We're great. That is, that, that's it. You can also find us on iTunes if you search Crit Chat under podcast and leave us a five-star review for the five-star show. And you can comment on there and send us some weird, give, give people some weird vibes about the show. Uh, other than that, you can normally watch us live on Tuesdays at 5pm BST, uh, but right now you can't. So just wait, wait next week for the episode. Hope that, hope that you enjoy that. <laughs> See you around, guys. Pray for me. I, I know that when, uh, going, go, I'm sorry, I, I derailed for a moment. Uh, going back to my own campaign, um, and I'm interested what you guys think, because I'm experimenting with it. But, um, and I'm assuming, like, you guys have gone through it before because you've played with much larger groups than I have. But when players can't be there for an extended period of time, whether it's, like, they let me know, like, oh, yeah, we aren't going to be there for the next two weeks. Uh, the thing that I start to do is uh, I'm like, okay. And I make their characters just into NPCs. And uh, so... That way I'm still able to control parts of the story and I just make sure that I'm playing to their characters' ideals. So that way when they get back, the other players can kind of like introduce them to what had been happening and like what kind of decisions they've all been making. Just so that way we don't have to really put a big dent in the story. Because I always feel uncomfortable when I just say, 
oh yeah, you know how you were in a dungeon? Well, they kind of just left. Hmm? Um, they're gone. They're off fighting a pyramid right now. Uh, they'll be back soon. Love them. Uh, <laughs> is how do you, do you guys tend to do that uh, when you play, or is it more you prefer just leaving them out? Yeah, well, when I play, um, I guess I play at a, uh, a game store, and it's mostly just people who come in off the street, and then we become friends. Uh, <laughs> I play in other groups, but this is the one we've been talking about, and I've been playing most recently. Uh, is um, that uh, when because because it's just it happens every Wednesday, and it it happens if people don't make it or not. People regularly don't make it. It's it's quite it's quite often that there'll be somebody missing. So when there is someone missing, the character's just not in the story, and it's just it's so much easier than trying to accommodate. Uh, and when they when when the player comes back next week, they'll poof back into existence. But that, and some some groups find that weird. It's like give yeah, it what happens in the story, and I totally get that. But uh, I think it depends on the circumstances and when there's. I think when there's less people, it's much easier to keep track of. Because uh, if, if I'm a DM, I might be running three different people's characters myself and try to remember exactly all the little idiosyncrasies on top of fleshing out the world and running accounts and stuff. So yeah, I think yeah, I mean it's it's a good point that like you you don't you don't want to be burdening yourself with running even more NPCs in combat because you're already pretty overburdened when you're like if you're running large numbers of monsters to keep up with the number of players but i i mean i would at least say in that situation that i I would um um uh delegate the missing characters to the the players i think i think the players can make decisions for what they're going to do in like combat at least that is one thing that happened in another game i played in i didn't dm it but um we uh whenever somebody was missing uh two people would sort of uh, Jaeger pilot that one character. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Jaeger pilot? Do you've seen Pacific Rim? Uh, I, I, no. I haven't. Uh, yeah. It, it, <laughs> there's uh, these giant robots that fight sea monsters, and um, it, they require two pilots because you get neurally linked into the machine, but it's because it's so big, it's too much of a load for a single human brain. So two people have to go into the machine and they control it in sync with each other. Do they also drink Jaeger <laughs> while they're doing no. it? <laughs> they're called this... Jaegers because Jaegers is a, a German word for hunter. Oh, it's, oh. Not, exa- okay. it's not exactly hunter. It sort of means it's it's a type of German soldier. It sort of means more skirmisher, scout hunter sort of thing. You're not hunting mm. beasts. You're like a like a commander. Or... Mm. It would be a very different film, though, if at the beginning of every combat sequence, the two pilots would just, like, down a bottle of Jaeger. Like, yeah, let's do this! I would like to add another piece of advice. Drink Jaeger when you're playing with giant groups of people. And, and take a shot whenever you're feeling despair. a lot better or a lot worse. <laughs> so, does that mean... The liquor Jägermeister means like commando master. <laughs> <laughs> that is why. That is why I was thinking as soon as you said that. That's so badass. Captain Morgan doesn't have anything on me, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still never gonna drink it because it's vile. But <laughs> oh, it's 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 oh, it's yeah. <laughs> um. So as as we're winding down uh, a little bit, I would also just like to. Uh, ask another question because I know everyone's always really obsessed with big things um, but I'm also okay. <laughs> I'm also a little curious about the small the, the small things um, and that's like playing with a very small intimate group and I was wondering uh, if you guys have ever like played with a tiny one and I guess in this case it would be like maybe like two to three I have played with a group of two people and kind of one, kind of once. Uh, it was a thing. Yeah, I was going to ask if anyone has played with a single person because um, I've been listening to a podcast that is one-on-one D and D, and a friend of mine wants to try D and D out. So we're gonna, so I'm gonna run a one-on-one D and D session at some oh point, boy. and uh, and it's going to be her first time playing, and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, no, because with, with me, um, it was, oh, it's a weird thing. And you guys can actually probably listen to it because um, my other podcast I do is a Doctor Who podcast. And one of the upcoming episodes was just like, what if the Doctor was in Dungeons and Dragons? Because me and my brother are fucking nerds. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I didn't mean to, but halfway through, I just decided, you know what, let's 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 do a short encounter with the Doctor and some kobolds. And, and my brother played the Doctor and, and I was the DM. So yeah, that's that's a thing. I don't, I don't know why I don't know why I'm bringing this up because I don't have anything interesting to say about it. But <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough. I, I mean, um, just on the topic of um, sci-fi characters, I was really genuinely planning to use a reskinned Rick Sanchez in a campaign as an extremely uh, high-level wizard, uh, kind of as a like a. I can't remember. Oh, who are the really high-level wizards in Forgotten Realms? Like, uh, it's not Morden Kanan. There are some anyway. Yeah. That's but, what- Monica, uh, El- Elmster, Elminster, mm. Elminster, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, Monica, yeah. I think technically is Forgotten Realms these days because I think he comes from Greyhawk, but he travels around the different planes. I've, I've never played, and I feel very dumb. Like, yes, yes, I know exactly what we're talking about. I play the Forgotten Realms so many times a week in my brain space. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> How about. No, it's all right. Uh, I, I've played a two-person game with people before, and I've liked it just because I, I do enjoy larger campaigns uh, with people, but I feel like with, uh, again, I've only played with the two, it's a lot more of a, uh, it feels like the most collaborative effort I've had with them, because I don't really have to worry about juggling too many backstories, and I really get to feel out these two people's playing styles and give them like a fuller experience. Um, And the biggest difference for me has been uh, not really focusing on like focusing on combat, but um, giving them more situations where it's them making decisions. Cause that's where it's usually gets a little bit more interesting, the smaller campaign you get and you get a little bit more of that leeway. Um, and I've only done like a three per, like a, it's been a shorter campaign. Um, but I've enjoyed it. Um, Hmm. have, have you ever played a smaller campaign, Ian? I think the smallest I've ever played in was three players, um, or that I've ever run, but it was an online game, uh, where people sort of came and went every week it was an adventures league game so people could could do that pretty easily um yeah it wasn't that much different because i'm usually used to running for four so it was just sort of uh yeah it, it felt very much the same i guess people probably had a little more uh i don't know what the right word is a little more time a little more freedom because there was less crosstalk less uh trying to find a space to to say something um but no i don't i don't feel there's a there's a huge difference between three and four players mm-hmm. and i've never played with a two-person or one-person campaign that seems totally alien to me <laughs> <laughs> i really like the idea of playing with two it does sound fun and I, yeah it's in what you were saying about not using combat as the main kind of place where people have to make decisions it feels really challenging especially thinking about one player like so so i should i feel like i should shout out the podcast um it's called side character quest mm-hmm. the, the uh we can edit this out in post if it's not <laughs> the case but we but i think i think the the, the guy the guy was interested in being on the on co chat sometime but um but uh it's like i found it really interesting it's very very freeform and there isn't a lot of like I mean, there's a lot of combats with the player versus like one to two enemies, um, which feels really it, like it kind of like when I was while I'm listening, it sound it does sound pretty like dramatic, and you can make these one on one encounters feel a lot more dangerous than they, you know, like, you can't just have like a single skeleton be scary in when you have a a, a cleric at your back, you know, mm-hmm. um, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's there's it's an interesting challenge anyway. Uh what kind of hmm. prep uh because you're wanting to run a one person campaign. 
um, aside from listening to the podcast, like what kind of prep have you been doing to prepare yourself for that? <laughs> I mean, I was hoping I was hoping to get tips on this, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I, I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't worked that much prep. I, I, I don't. I think I, it's going to be mostly, mostly the same kind of prep as a normal, uh, just like kind of prepping a place with people and um, creatures, and I feel like there have to be like NPC. I feel like the easy, well, the easiest way would be to have. Uh, like hirelings and you know npc followers that kind of thing mm-hmm. um or have like the drama happen in um crowded areas where like or not not crowded but like you know areas where there are friendly people around mm-hmm. um to help out but i think what you were saying about just trying to prep some situations that aren't necessarily combat is re- is probably the way to go the, um, the other thing you could do is uh, you could really lean into the, the horror aspect. Because yeah, you're just mm. one person. You're you're in this dungeon and you're alone. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, that's that's a bad place to be. That's a great point. Yeah, actually, I just remembered I played in a two-person campaign that was a Call of Cthulhu campaign. And the horror aspect... I'm sorry, what was that, Ian? Yeah, you cut off after horror aspect. Oh, uh, sorry. I was, yeah, I was playing uh, a Call of Cthulhu campaign with two people. Um, oh, it cut off again. You know, come back. Are we not allowed to talk about Call of Cthulhu? Is it just, just D&D? Cthulhu is literally interrupting this every time we mention <laughs> Only d d It's the dropped Call of Cthulhu. That's what it is. Ian? Hello? Yeah. Hello. Let's take one more pass. Okay. At your sentence. Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> Take three. Two person Call of Cthulhu game. Horror mm. good. Small mm. numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I kept it concise. <laughs> oh, you did so good, sweetie. Um, the, the one thing that I found the most useful for really tiny campaigns because those are the ones that I just enjoy the most. Uh, and I've mentioned this earlier, but anime is very useful because uh, I've been watching My Hero Academia. I've been binge-watching that. And they uh, anime does this really good job of not only putting a lot of emphasis on specific characters per episode, but it does a good job of also showing you just how they tell an individual story and it's going to be a little bit more narration um a little bit more dressing the world with your words um and also asking the other person questions like you're walking through this corridor and it's reminding you of something and like the more that they interact with you and dressing it like, oh, it has pictures of my parents. And, uh, like, they're younger, and then as I keep going down the corridor, they get older. And then you kind of play off of it. Like, it, it's... That's that's the best way I can describe it, is when it's more of a fluid... Because hmm. I don't have a word. We can also fix that in post. Personal? <laughs> huh? Personalized? Like... Yeah. But... Yeah, it's 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 that kind of method of um, uh, asking leading questions, I guess. That is, yeah, I, like it's a really effective way to get people get get their players to like make input into the um, world, as it were. It's kind of something I meant to touch on. Um, it's it, it just with all small smallish groups or medium sized groups. I think it's it's good to be like you know it's it's and 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 also with um it can it could be with um large larger groups as well because um uh, because then you can like hard frame scenes more which i think we talk about a lot on the, on the podcast but mm-hmm. um like doing things like yeah you you what you 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 come to you have you you come to this uh dungeon and you know you you ask the players what why why they why their characters have decided to go there kind of thing rather than role playing out like everything mm-hmm. but yeah but definitely yeah in one on one yeah it, i think the leading questions thing is such a big big thing that i haven't really utilized much yet myself do you think you can still split the party with a smaller campaign 
Like, is that a possible thing for you guys? Or is that something that you would mm. you would err on the side of caution for? It it depends on the... Yeah, I think I, I think it depends. But you generally, yeah, I mean, you can keep track of it a lot easier, at least. Like, in my campaign at the moment, um, I'm taking a... I'm, I'm taking a... Uh, I'm I'm playing for a little bit um instead of DMing and we we are all we we're, we're continuously like splitting off and doing the three of us are always splitting off and doing pursuing our separate things in like nice like 10 minute scenes and then like reconvening uh, because we're in kind of a town urban situation but um yeah I think it 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 definitely works I think it can work yeah, perhaps yeah. even more fluidly than larger groups so I go I've always found it uh, splitting the group isn't an issue for the DM. It's an issue that the players have to deal with. Uh, one, because they'll probably die. But uh, more importantly, because <laughs> while um, while one group is doing their thing, the other group isn't. They basically have to sit there and watch, and they have to be okay with that. And a lot of groups are, and a lot of groups aren't. And um, I think as a, as a DM, knowing whether you should split the group is just about knowing whether your players have the patience to do it. And you can also do strategies where like you try to keep them engaged by like uh cutting back and forth uh in exciting ways maybe leaving one group in like a cliffhanger how do we feel about splitting the party with one person one-on-one play do we have a king harris situation (laughs) where you just split them in half and you're like all right do what you will jared Mm. you could you could have one player play multiple characters i'd be i'd be interested in that oh that's cool i didn't think of that well godsfall has um like the godsfall podcast has a character who um is sort of like three different people, which is kind of cool. Are they? Do they stand on each other's shoulders with a big? Overcoat? No, no, no. They're um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have any of you listened to the Godfall podcast? No, I haven't. No, but it's um every almost all the player characters are like uh, they're they're these gods who are uh, oh god, there's a lot of war. Uh, all the <laughs> gods were killed uh, like about a, about ninety years ago, and um the new gods are being born in particular people. And one of the gods, which is these player characters, is um, just happens to be three people. And they sort of all have a shared mind sort of thing. Hmm. So that's, you could do something like that. But I know um, another guy, a friend of mine played in a game and he played a rogue with a whole entourage of people using that rule set. He had like, uh, everyone was like level 10 and he was like a level two rogue with um, uh, like, <laughs> Four other level two rogues. Wow. And they just like hid in the shadows and just shot like a bazillion arrows. It's it pretty funny. <laughs> well, with that delightful image in our heads, uh, it's a, it's time for us to wrap this baby up and start throwing it into a D&D verse. And that is a metaphor that I didn't know it was going and it didn't land anywhere, which is a metaphor for my life. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you wrapped that up so so well at the end. The, wow. the metaphor for your metaphor was better than the original metaphor. <laughs> yeah, that's the title of my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> um, so well, let's let's go ahead and do a, a rapid fire here, really quick, where um, we all just kind of give our one last piece of advice about playing with groups of varying sizes that are all beautiful in their own way. Uh, so let's go ahead and start with Alfred. What's the last piece of advice you'd like to give? Yeah, I think um, I think that uh, it's it's kind of a piece of advice for all group sizes is the asking leading questions. Um, the just using, like like asking your questions, just, just like straight up asking your questions like, asking your players like why why does your character care about this thing or like your character notices that something is off in this room tell me what it is or you this kind of thing um it it's a really efficient way to get players invested in the story um so if you're in a large group it's a really good way of having each character kind of represented in some way by just you know just like specific like picking players out one by one um, and in small groups, it's a great way of um, bringing as much as possible out of the small number of characters that you have. Nice. Ian, what's yours? I guess if I had to give one piece of advice, it would be uh, small number, roleplay good, combat bad. <laughs> <laughs> Big number, roleplay bad, combat good. 
Let's Call make... of Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Beautiful. I couldn't have outlined it better myself. <laughs> but, uh, Kai, how, uh, if you're how about the... you? Oh, yeah, if you're balancing for a large group, uh, you've got to consider, um, you've just got to consider the party dynamic, basically. Uh, big powerful monsters uh, are either going to get stomped on, or they're going to kill one of your players, and maybe just one, or all of them, if they have that Kraken tentacle death thing. I I think my piece of advice would be um, the the most important thing with any group size is you have to really gauge what your players are interested in, and you'll probably figure that out within the first five minutes of your campaign, um, and take note of it, and um, try to. Even with large campaigns, you're still able to personalize certain things. So, yeah, just listen to your partners and everyone will be happy with the outcome, no matter the size. So that's that's my little piece of advice. Now, uh, let's get on to the plug section of this outro. Uh, Alfred, would you like to say your plug? Yeah, so um, I you can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash pennyblue. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a while since I've been streaming, but I'm going to be coming back big. Uh, I think Wednesday we're um, well soon we'll be playing some Stardew Valley together, and uh, yeah, and I'll be carrying on with my D and D open table uh, thing, which will be extremely large group sizes. So this is, it's relevant. <laughs> <laughs> Kai, I believe you also have something to plug. Yeah, so I mentioned it before, but uh, I do a Doctor Who podcast with my brother called uh, Brothers in Time. And uh, we talk about mostly talk about Doctor episodes, but uh, yeah, we've got a D and D centered episode coming up, coming down the pipe soon. Uh, yeah, it's it's nonsense, just but it's it's good nonsense. So give it a listen. <laughs> um, and I am not Ismay, and I do not do anything other than this podcast at the moment. But um, if you really like our show, which I hope you do, you can find us on Twitter at CritChat which is spelled at crit underscore chat and talk to us there by uh, using our hashtag crit chat without an underscore. And you can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash crit chat, which is all one word and uh, see what kind of weird shit that we're posting from week to week. Uh, <laughs> one of the <laughs> latest posts is how a centaur would ride another centaur. And I would love to hear your opinions on it. Um, <laughs> And also, whenever you're listening, if you go into the description to find our Discord channel to join the discussion, as well as the link to our SoundCloud, where you can listen to and download previous episodes and give us a like and a follow. And uh, also, you can find us on the iTunes by searching Crit Chat in podcasts and leave a five-star review for this five-star show. And be sure to follow a teacup gamer, which is Ismay, on Twitch uh, so that you can watch us live once Ismay gets... Her her computer do hickeys fixed on up, which I think we can at this point blame Cthulhu for. Absolutely, contact Cthulhu. So every time, hopefully we'll see you guys uh, next Tuesday at five PM GMT, which is a British thing. Uh, but if not, <laughs> we'll we'll go ahead and see you guys for next week's episode. Until then, I've not been Ismay. I have been Alfred. I'm Ian, and I'm Kai. <laughs> and you've been watching Crit Chat. Have a good one. Join us live on Twitch, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. on A Teacup Gamer.